What effect does love and nurturing have on our children and our students? What effect does the lack of love and nurturing have on our children and students? And what can we do as teachers to help fill in the gap for those students who don't have the love and nurturing that they need at home? Welcome to the Conservative Classroom, where we're teaching the truth and preserving our values. I'm your host, Mr. Webb, and I'm glad you're here. This podcast is a haven for conservative educators, parents, and patriots like you who believe in the importance of free speech, traditional values, and education without indoctrination. Each week, we dive into issues that are plaguing our education system and keeping you up at night. In each episode, we offer common sense ideas to improve education in our classrooms and communities. You may feel like you're the last conservative educator or parent, but I want you to know that you are not alone. By the way, if you like what you hear today, please share this podcast with a like-minded educator, parent, or patriot. Together, we can teach the truth and preserve our values. Today's episode is all about love, and in today's episode, we talk with a psychiatrist about love and the many forms of that and how it affects our students. Now let's get started. Today, we welcome a special guest back to the conservative classroom, Dr. Timothy Cordes. Dr. Cordes joined us in episode 37, The Mental Health Crisis in Education, and he's back today to Talk to us about love on this special Valentine's Day episode. So, Dr. Cordes, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Sure. I'm, I'm glad to be here. And I, I, I would love to talk about love, but I, I, I want to say I'm not, not an expert on love. I don't know if any of us are or, or, you know, but I'm glad to be here and talk about it. Well, for the folks that missed our previous episode, can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm a psychiatrist. Um, I, I trained in general psychiatry and then uh, learned more on addiction psychiatry. So I, I treat folks with, with both of those kinds of problems. I've worked uh, seeing folks everywhere from 18 to 80, uh, most recently working with college students. So that's that's my gig. And I have a family, two, two boys, I'm married. Um, and that's what I know of love. And that's, that's enough. And you can, you have a unique perspective on the, the psychology and how love or the lack of love might affect people. So, well, first of all, let's start out with maybe the toughest question. What is love? Oh my goodness. I mean, it, it's funny that, you know, we, we talk about it, we recognize it. Uh, but I think we're still working out what it is. Um, what's interesting is the, the Greeks, the ancient Greeks had multiple different words for love. They had the sort of the filial love, like the, like they had the, the romantic love, eros, they had agape, which is a more encompassing love. And so I think when, when we use the English word love, you know, we, we first of all need to, to slow down and say, you know, what, 
what is this? And which kind are we talking about? Because, you know, you, you watch a movie, you assume love is romantic. And, and we know there's there's much more to love than that. Right. There's there's different types of love. Um, the type of love two people have when they fall in love. I want to start with that. How do Why do people fall in love and how do they fall out of love? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, so when people fall in love, the part of the thought is that, you know, there, there's some sort of connection in what we call ego boundaries. That's where do I end and, and you begin um, sort of blur or fall. And that's the infatuation where, where we get sort of really aware of, of the other, um, but sort of drawn by the sameness. But over time, we, we realize that some of the strongest, best relationships are people who could be independent but choose to be together versus that um, more um, dependent early phase, for example. And, and falling out of love is, you know, that's, that's tricky too because it also plays into questions like, you know, are, are we actively maintaining a relationship? What, what are we doing? What's getting in the way? Um, and I think it's also that transition from from romantic to to other other forms of love that often can happen and sustain a relationship. And for for you and my listeners, you might be thinking, "Now, this is the conservative classroom. What does this have to do with uh, teaching and students and education in the classroom?" And that's kind of what I'm getting to. Does do parents falling out of love? have an effect on their children? That's a great question. So so we know that that kids who grow up in, you know, angry, contentious, you know, maybe even hostile families, they they don't do well. That, that's that you know, that's that's not good. But we also know statistically that that kids who grow up in single family homes are at higher risk of you know, not graduating high school and, and higher risk of, of mental health problems. Um, you know, two-parent households often are more likely to be above the poverty line. So so we know that, that kids who don't have modeled parental love, either practically or because they don't have that model, do do worse, worse off than other kids. So uh, I think you said hostile environment. So I, I never really thought about a hostile environment with the parents together. Uh, of course, I've thought about how that can be bad, <clears throat> but also a one-parent household, how that can have some bad effects. Yeah. So I, I think it's difficult, you know, for the parents listening that might be going through some things. That seems like it would be difficult to make that decision, what's best for the kids. But I think that's... Or maybe it's not. You tell me what your opinion is. Should that be the guiding factor? What is best for the kids? It, it's a great. It, it's a very important thing. Um, but for example, if a you know a spouse is being abused by the other spouse, there's you know there would be no way you could ask them to stay for the kids. You know, there's there, there's a lot of a lot of things in play. I think what's important though is if a couple decides to to separate. Um, or divorce that that they they realize that they both have an interest in the children and and can cooperate as as co parents and, and do that do that well so that the kids aren't caught in the middle. I, I think you know when, 
when it's necessary, you know, to separate, I, I think making sure that, that the grownups are still grownups and still caring for the kids, although not in the same household, you know? Right. That's a good point. What role does love and nurturing play in a student's, I guess, mental and emotional development? Yeah. So this is interesting. Um, there were studies done. You, you couldn't do them these days, but in, in the, um, the last century where they actually, you know, this is monkeys, it's not people, but they, they separated baby monkeys from their mothers. And then they provided the monkey, uh, a wireframe model of a mother with, with a bottle so it could get its nutrition and sort of a, a fluffy cloth mother, uh, and, and the babies would, would hang out with the, the soft, you know, comfortable mother and only go to the other one when it wanted to eat. And, and, and the idea was that when we love a child, we provide them with comfort and a home base that, that they can explore the world from. And, and so that, that nurturing, um, love helps, helps them grow and, and, you know, when they see themselves reflected in an adult who loves them uh, and can sort of come back and check in with how things are going as they explore the world, you know, that the distance gets further, the check-ins get less frequent, but they still, you know, need to touch base and reconnect with, with, with someone in their lives to do that. And, and that's sort of how, you know, we think nurturing helps people over time. They, they get a secure base to explore the world. It, it's not, preventing problems necessarily, but, but giving them the, the tools to, to go out and, and engage with, with the wider world. And does the amount of love a child has growing up, uh, does that affect their emotional intelligence? And maybe first we should define what is emotional intelligence? Yeah. Emotional intelligence is, is, could be thought of as the way to recognize what you're feeling, take, you know, age appropriate steps to manage it and, and be able to, to see emotion in others and respond to that appropriately. So it's, I know what I got, I know what you got, let's, let's work together in a, you know, a healthy way. And, and so, yes, yeah, so certainly being, being cared for uh, and nurtured fosters emotional intelligence because they get to practice it with somebody who has their best interest in mind. You know, in other situations, you know, young young people might learn to suppress their feelings because they know if they ask for something or if they, you know, speak up, they're, they're going to get shut down. And, you know, there, there's all kinds of ways that can go awry. Uh, but certainly a, a relationship with a nurturing adult can can bring about more emotional intelligence. How does love and nurturing in general, or the lack of, affect students at school? Yeah, I, I think, you know, at school, the, the first set of behaviors a, a child learns is, is from the home. So, so how they relate in school is probably going to model off what they've seen. And, and if home is not nurturing um, then they may, you know, be anxious about going home. Or we, we also see that, you know, kids who, who don't get their needs met at home, you know, might, you know, connect in a special way with it, a healthy, special way with a teacher who, who sees something in them and, and, you know, respects them. And, and the kids may make those connections that they don't have at home in, 
in school too. Could go the other way where, where the, the child realizes they can get attention um, by, by acting up too. And, and so there's, there's all kinds of ways that can manifest. So how important is it, uh, do you think, for teachers to be nurturing at school? Because as a teacher, sometimes we, sometimes you can tell which students maybe don't have that environment at home. Sometimes you can't tell. So how important is it for teachers to provide that nurturing environment at school? Yeah. Yeah. Nurturing is, you know, it's an interesting word because it's, you know, it's, it's promoting growth and, you know, at whatever age, you know, asking things, you know, um, encouraging, having students stretch, you know, is also, you know, a part of nurturing. So, you know, it's, it's not letting people off the hook, for example, but yeah, I think it's, I think it's important for, for teachers to, to try to do that within, you know, within the boundaries of what, what makes sense. And, you know, with, with kids and classroom management, I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, I'm sure it affects students differently at different ages and different educational levels, such as, you know, it affects grade school students different than middle school and those different than high school and college. So can you give us a sense of, of how, now, I said love and nurturing, and I, I know there's a difference, but to me, they go hand in hand. So how does love and nurturing affect students at different age levels? Yeah, so it, it, it relates to the developmental tasks that, that, that kids are sort of going through as they grow up. You know, at first they, you know, kids need to learn, you know, the world is a relatively safe place that I can explore, you know, and, and then later on they're, you know, I, I can do things, you know, it's, it's sort of the, the grade school, you know, task and, and the nurturing can, can help them with that. And the, you know, as you move into adolescence, it's more, you know, who am I and who am I in relation to others and, and the peer group and peer group support take on more of a role in that, that love and nurturing, you know, and, and that continues on to, to young adulthood too. So I, I think that's one way, one way I think about it. You mentioned something interesting when I reached out to you about making this episode, <clears throat> excuse me. So I'm, I'm thinking about that a little bit and I hope I'm not stepping away from uh, the direction we're going, but you mentioned something, I, uh, something, uh, the idea of love as a commandment versus a feeling. And that made me think of a Stephen Covey in his book, The Seven Habits, or The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm-hmm. He said, love is a verb, and love, the feeling, is a fruit of love, the verb. And I remember mm-hmm. in that example that he used, he had one of his... Uh, um, Someone at a talk that he gave, or maybe it was a fan, I'm not sure, come up to him, you know, talking about how this guy and his wife, they just don't love each other anymore. And so Stephen Covey was saying, well, love her. And he's like, well, you don't understand. We just don't love each other. Well, love her. So when you said the idea of love as a commandment versus love as a feeling, it made me think of that. So talk to us about the idea of love as a commandment versus a feeling. Sure. 
so I, I go back to, I go back to the Bible on this and, you know, uh, Jesus gave his greatest commandments, you know, which involve love. And, and one of them is, is love your neighbor as yourself. He, it, it was a command. Um, you know, it, it, and interestingly enough, if, if you, I don't know the Greek, but I, I came across this. If you look in Corinthians where, where Paul describes love, uh, you know, love is patient, love is kind, slow to anger, etc. If you were to read that in the original Greek, apparently the words we write as adjectives in English are actually verbs as well, 15 verbs there. Um, so it goes along with this notion that love is a choice and, and, and love is an action. Um, what I find interesting is this connects with modern cognitive theory and psychology. So there, this guy, Aaron Beck, uh, sort of developed cognitive therapy. And the notion is that our, our thinking, our feelings, and our behavior are all connected. And by doing things or changing what we think, we can influence our feelings. Um, you know, I had an old advisor, he would always say feelings are incredibly unreliable. Uh, you know, so if you, if you waited until you felt love, you know, that's, that's quite different than saying, I'm going to act lovingly or, or I'm going to think lovingly. And, and then, you know, as, as, uh, Stephen Kofi says that the, 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 the feeling can come from the action. Right. The feeling can come from the action. I think that's so important. How can a teacher love their students in, in a biblical sense to help them, especially in light of the fact that the school setting might be the only place they they get love or they feel loved all day? They might not have that at home. Yeah, I, I think once again, it's you know, it's it's the action. You know, they'll, they'll know no we're Christians by our love, right? It's, it's, it's the act, the activity. Um, I think, and what, one of the ways I, I think about this, um, is if I'm going to make a mistake in, in, in what I do professionally, for example, it's going to be on the side of love. I give somebody a little too much benefit of the doubt. I, you know, I'm extra patient one more try, you know, if, if I, if I make an error, it's going, it's going to be on that side of things. And I think that's maybe a way we can model and, and approach it for the people in our lives, including, you know, kids in the classroom. You talk to college students uh, or you deal with college students. Is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Okay. What can you share with us uh, a story or maybe some some trends that you see uh, issues that college students have that they've shared with you that deal with this topic? Yeah, a, a lot of what they're dealing with um, can be about you know who who they are, who they may feel love for in maybe a romantic sense, and also you know, how they want to start to be more adult with their parents. You know, some of them haven't had the most loving relationships, you know, as some of them want to reset, some of them want a healthy stepping away. And, and, and those are some of the challenges that, that they face. Our school counselor recently told us, uh, us meaning the other teachers at the school, was telling us that some we don't realize what effect we have on students 
that she talks to students that sometimes really having a tough time and they say, you know, a smile from a teacher was all that got him through that day. They felt that's all that got him through. You know, they were they were on a low limb and then just a, a smile or a kind gesture made all the difference. Do you have similar stories? Yeah, I, I think that I think that makes it it makes a lot of sense. You know, I'll I'll have patients and, and their their check-ins with me, you know, uh, you know, we, we may not even do, you know, psychiatrists may not even be doing anything with medication, but just the, the chance to, to, to be heard and, and, you know, validated and, and all that, you know, gives them, give that gives them something. Um, this is, this is a little different. Um, but my, um, last, uh, seeing eye dog was an incredibly, uh, sweet dog who had a tail wag for everybody. And, and when, when patients would come in and see me, uh, they, they would, they would get the boost by just having the, you know, the, the wag and the acknowledgement just from that unconditional regard, um, that, that I think the patients found helpful too. Is there anything that we've left out that you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I, I think one, one thing that I, that I think of a lot is, um, being aware of and, and understanding the, the other as an individual with, you know, with needs. And, and, and sometimes it's hard to acknowledge people have changed or grown or, or even give them forgiveness when needed. And, and, you know, and love helps us do those things. And, and so when we love someone, you know, we're loving the person they are, but also, you know, especially as a, a teacher or a parent, we're, we're also loving the person that they could be someday. We don't know quite know who that is, but we have a responsibility to both. And, and I think, it, you know, I try to keep that in mind. Loving the person they are someday. That's great. Sometimes as a teacher, if we're having a bad day, especially, and maybe students' behavior hasn't been what we wanted it to be, by the end of the day, I hate to use the term, you know, students are starting to get on your nerves, <clears throat> but that does happen sometimes. And I think sometimes, I know myself personally, sometimes we tend to get a little short, uh, I'd say short-tempered, that's not what I mean, but we have less patience, I guess, at the end of the day. And I think it's important for us to remember what students could be going through that we don't know about. And to love them for who they could be someday. I think yeah. that's great. And at the same time, you know, give give yourself a little love that you're you're doing the best you can. And you know, if there's things you can do to, you know, take a breath or, or care for you while you, while you do that, like that's that's okay too. You know, excessive self love certainly is a problem, but you know, right. you gotta you gotta love yourself too. Well, now you brought that up and I hadn't thought about it, but how important is loving yourself? I know that's a different love than you have for a spouse or a child. Uh, maybe, you know, that's a different love than you'd normally think about on Valentine's Day, but talk to us about that. Yeah, I, I think it's really important. I I was reading um, Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of his rules was treat yourself like somebody you are responsible for caring for or something like that. 
Um, and I thought that was a good way to, to think about it, to say, you know, if, if I'm going to love myself, what, what would, you know, if I could look from the outside, what would I want me to have right now? And maybe that's a little, you know, I understand what you're going through, or maybe that's a, you know, dig in a little harder, but, but having that notion that, that you're responsible to yourself, but also, you know, loving to yourself. And I, I know people, I'm sure you do too, who are living, breathing martyrs, so to speak, mm-hmm. where they yeah. put everybody's needs ahead of their own. And I'm not sure that this is what um, what he was talking about in uh, his Seven Habits book, but it fits, and that is you're sacrificing the goose to get the golden egg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think there's a, a need, you know, for most people, there's a need for for balance in some way to sustain that. You know, I there certainly are outliers, and some, you know, some of them seem really awesome, you know. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize them, but but most people, you know, need need a balance and care care for yourself too, you know. Right, that's so important, and that's I hadn't even thought of that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, teachers are really bad. <laughs> some teachers, some teachers are really bad about, <clears throat> excuse me, they take their work home with them. They grade papers, they plan at home, and they leave little room for their self. You know, by the time you, you work yeah. all day, you go home to your family, cook a meal, take care of the kids, and then what little time you have, you're working again. So I think that's so important. So teachers, take some time for yourself. Yeah. I mean, we see that in medicine all the time. And, and it's it's so tempting because it's a role you know. You know the rules. You know you, you, you know what to do. And it's, it's, it's sort of safe. And sometimes if you do that too much, you, you forget, you know, what, what is it like to, to be with me and, and how do I care for me? You know, so yeah, whatever your profession is, it's, you know, it's, it's okay to, it's okay to pause. What about the folks that, and I just thought of this, and I think it's so important. What about the folks who maybe don't feel loved? Yeah, that's, that's a tricky one. So, so certainly there, you know, there are reasons why, why people might feel that way. You know, it's their development, their history, their environment. And, and I think it's, you know, probably seeking a relationship or connection or a group or someplace where they can just be and, and, and be with people who positively regard them, regard them and, you know, sort of set up a home base and, and explore from there. You know, I, once again, I, I also think it's, it's, you know, they, they certainly could act lovingly and, and maybe that will also, you know, improve their environment and, and sort of feed forward too. Yeah, and I wonder how uh, love the verb. I wonder how folks that don't feel loved how they could how the idea of love as a verb or love as a commandment. And, and you touched on it a little bit. Is maybe they love more and get more love in return? Yeah, maybe yeah, not. I think that's... Maybe, maybe that's maybe it's just the people they're around. Maybe they're a really loving person and a really kind and thoughtful person, but they're around the wrong people. 
So how how can you tell which is which, and you know what you do about that? Yeah, it's it's a. I mean, I I'm biased as a, as a psychiatrist. I would probably you know talk about their their past relationships and how they've grown up and what you know what sort of ideas they they have when they think about the world and relationships and, and start to start to understand that as as you know beginning to build a map for how they might feel love or, or where where they could feel love certainly if they have a history of trauma or things like that that you know could need treatment and that, that's how i would approach it but of course that's from my my perspective right it makes me think of and this actually just happened this week <clears throat> excuse me I was working on a, a seating chart for a class, and I had a couple of students. Uh, please don't. I'm just going to use Billy. That's a yeah. Uh, just use that as a name. Please don't set me near Billy. Billy and another one. Please move me away from Billy. <clears throat> and Billy's not a troublemaker. And I thought, you know, what's going on there? And he kind of heard him. Uh, and he's like, Yeah, I don't have any friends. So I thought, well, that's kind of sad that he feels that way. So I waited a minute or two, and I, I pulled him out in the hallway discreetly, and I was like, hey, you know, why did you, why do you feel like that? And he's like, I don't. I don't have any friends in this class. And I'm like, well, uh, who, if I could set you beside one person, who would that be? Well, nobody. I don't have any friends in this class. And I said, well, why do you, why do you feel that way? Oh, well, nobody likes me. And he was just matter of fact, but after he said that, he started to, he started to tear up a little bit. So I, you know, I thought, what in the world did I, I talk to the school counselor? And and I've just given him a little extra attention this week. And you know, I'm not sure what what do you do as a teacher. You know, there's not much I can do about that, but to do encouraging things and. Give him a little extra attention, but that's so sad. Do you see? Do you see a lot of uh, college students that kind of feel alone? I guess, especially since a lot of students leave their hometown to go to a city, maybe where they don't know anybody. Yeah, there's there's a lot of loneliness, you know, in in society in general, and and yeah, and college kids too, and and college is tricky because you know, they see the brochures and they get the campus tour and sort of, you know, get, get the bill of goods that you're, you're going to feel like you belong here right away. And, but, you know, they, they don't have that experience and, and it can, it can, you know, it can be really hard. So certainly, you know, that's, that's part of it. Um, and, you know, it's that if you don't like where you're at, not in a geographic sense, but, you know, you, you gotta, you know, move or, or, or do something, you know? So if, if you're feeling that way, once again, you know, as, as a college student, you, you know, I, for example, encourage them, Hey, are there are some clubs you want to check out. You know, this, you have more opportunity to do stuff here than ever, you know, like, and, and get involved. And I, I sort of encourage along those lines, you know, um, you know, thinking of Billy and I don't, you know, I don't know your, your class structure, you know, is there, you know, are, are there group projects, you know, or, you know, little tasks people can work together and realize, you know, he's, he's, you know, okay. You know, like, you know, I wonder if there's other ways to, to shake up the milieu. Right. I, I give them the option each day to work uh, individually in pairs or groups of three. So I have encouraged 
you know, some folks to kind of let him join their group, but he, he doesn't want to. He wants to be, you know, he wants to be alone. And I guess if he feels that way, you know, I can, <clears throat> I guess I would want to feel alone or I would want to be alone too. I don't know. But I have, uh, I've, I've done some other things, you know, I, I try to really point out when he, when he does something good, you know, and brag on him, trying to get others to see his good qualities. And I even gave him a nickname. So, you know, like I say, this just happened this week, so time will tell if that has any effect. But I know from previous years of teaching, sometimes you don't know what the effect is until later when they look back and say, you know, this teacher did this, and it just really meant a lot to me. And sometimes they'll tell you, you know, at the end of the school year, they'll say, hey, I just wanted you to know that this was my favorite class. You know, I, I would I would come to your class kind of uh, down in the dumps, and I came in here, and it was always the bright brightest part of my day. So I just, you know, you hope that you make a difference. Sometimes you know whether you do or not sometimes. Sometimes you have to wait. Yeah, no, that, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, I, you know, I just had an opportunity to um, go visit briefly with with a professor I had in college twenty five years ago, and 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 he he stuck with me, you know, and I just wanted to, to to pop in and say hello and thanks, you know. So it's yes, sometimes those are really lasting things, and it it definitely makes you feel. <clears throat> excuse me, definitely makes you feel uh, important, feel like you made a difference, which is why I got into teaching, to make a difference. Um, and I know you're making a difference, and uh, appreciate what you do. And as we wrap up the conversation, what's the one thing about the topic of love, what's the one thing you want the listener to remember, if they don't remember anything else about this episode? I would just say, you know, think about love as an action uh, and, and maybe just, you know, one, one way you could be grateful for the love that somebody gave you, you didn't think of, or, or how you could show it to, to somebody in your life, you know, as, as you go forward. And I know uh, in the, the last episode we did together, I shared your Substack. Is there anything else that you'd like to share out? And let folks know about any anything you want to plug or promote. No, not really. I, today I'm promoting love, so uh, go be loving, folks. <laughs> I appreciate that, and thank you so much for joining us again on the Conservative Classroom. And I know our listeners appreciate your insights on love from your perspective. You you have students tell you things that they might not tell other folks. So you you kind of see pull back the curtain, so to speak. So it meant a lot to me, you coming on and talking about this topic today. I really appreciate it. You are welcome. Have a good, uh, have a good week and Valentine's Day and all that stuff. Uh, thank you so much. You too. That's it for today's episode of The Conservative Classroom. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something. If you liked what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Most importantly, share this podcast with a like-minded educator 
parent or patriot. You can also connect with us on social media and share your thoughts on today's topic, give feedback on the podcast, or suggest a topic by sending me an email at theconservativeclassroom at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you feel that education without indoctrination and teaching the truth is important to preserve traditional values, then support my efforts to keep the conservative classroom running. I'm a full-time teacher and dad and part-time podcaster. I invest a lot of hours and my own hard-earned money each week to bring you quality content, but I need your help. Check out the links in the show notes and on the website to support the podcast with one-time or recurring monthly donations. Every little bit helps. You can also visit our merch store to get your own clothing, coffee mugs, stickers, backpacks, book bags, and more with the Conservative Classroom logo or one of our many other conservative slogans, such as Age Appropriate Does Not Equal Banning Books, Defund the Teachers Unions, Keep Politics Out of the Classroom, and more. If you want to support common sense and education without pushing your politics, check out our products with the red schoolhouse logo on it. We know it's hard to be openly conservative in some school districts, but your silent show of support may help you find other conservatives in your community, and it lets you know that you're doing the right thing. Until next time, this is Mr. Webb reminding you that you are not alone. See you next time on The Conservative Classroom, teaching the truth, preserving our values.